if you can hear me. Still can't hear me. Okay. I am not really sure what is going on. Okay. I can hear you now, but I couldn't hear you when I was trying to log on. You know, I, it's Instagram. I don't know what's going on. Can everybody hear me now? Some people were still saying no sound. Um, yes, we can, can hear you. Hear me? Okay. We can hear you. All right, everyone. They can hear us now. Yay, we did it. Yay, we got it. Well, you know, first of all, uh, thank you so much, Bronwyn, for joining us. And I just want to introduce everyone who's coming in tonight. Um, you are watching Addiction Talk Live. We have a very special guest with us tonight, Bronwyn. And if you've watched The Housewives of Orange County, she was a key cast member on there, uh, very transparent about her journey. So we are so honored to have you on tonight, Bronwyn. And you know, first of all, people want to know, because we haven't maybe seen you in a while. And so we're wondering, how are you doing? I know you're coming up on two years in your sobriety, uh, your path to sobriety. We want to know, how are you doing? So yeah, it will be, knock on one, one day at a time, January 30th will be two years. Um, I'm doing really, really well. Um, and I, and I, I, I say that because I'm doing really well today. I'm re doing really well in life right now. That doesn't mean there's not bad days or I have sad days. I do. But like, I can honestly say this is the happiest I've ever been in my 44 years. Wow. So yeah. this is the happiest you've ever been, which I think is a very important message because so many people, and I know you said this before, Bronwyn, that when you thought about life and sobriety, you're like, can I do it? Will it still be fun? Will this be, you know, I'm known as the party girl. Will it change who I am? And to hear you say you are the happiest you've ever been, what do you think that says for life and sobriety or what it can be for people? I mean, I'll admit when I got sober, I'm like, this is it. Life is going to suck. I'm going to be bored. That's it. Like I'm done. I might as well just, you know, set up my Netflix account on unlimited and get a, you know, DoorDash pass. Like I literally thought my life was going to be boring. I did not see, I could not imagine a world where you could have fun sober. Like I couldn't wrap my brain that that was true. And I'm not gonna lie. It took me a good six months to get out of that mindset of what's the point? Why bother if you're going to be sober? Um, but it happens and it happens gradually. It doesn't happen all at once. Um, and so, when you first, when you first get sober, people tell you things, they, they get, they promise you things and you're like, I don't believe it. These aren't going to come true. That sounds like magic. But before you know it, these promises are coming true in your life. And you're like, wow, Oh my God, this is amazing. And so, yeah, I, I am, I am having so much fun. I mean, if you follow me on Instagram, my life is fun right now. I'm doing fun things. I'm traveling. I'm an amazing parent. I'm doing fun things with my kids. I'm doing them all present. Mm. And I'm working my butt off right now too, but like I can do it all because I'm sober. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I want to go back to that because you did say you had these misconceptions. Did you at one point feel like you were having an identity crisis when you first decided to go down this path? I know you mentioned people saw you as the life of the party. You are the fun girl. That was, you know, what people expected from you. Did you go through some type of identity crisis a little bit? 
Absolutely. And I think you guys saw that unfold on television. I mean, I think that I went through um, a full like breakdown. Yes, I went through an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was sober. I had never had the skill set to, you know, to take the time to really think who is Bronwyn. Now, not only did I get sober, but I came out all on that same year. For me, sobriety and my coming out were, you know, definitely intertwined. So I had been hiding a huge part of my life, even from myself. So yeah, I definitely had an identity, identity crisis, not just who am I now? Because I have always been the fun one, the life of the party, the social butterfly. That is definitely how I identified. Oh, Bronwyn's, she's the crazy one. Well, if I'm not the crazy one, who am I? And so I think you saw a lot of that kind of play out on camera of me figuring out who I was, having a identity crisis, a midlife crisis, like an emotional, whatever you want to call it. Yes, I went through it all. Um, and I did it with a camera crew. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I think most of us to be <laughs> able to be that transparent with a camera crew. So I have to dig into this a little bit. What is that like? I mean, do you feel like when you're in the midst of taping this show, I, you know, I know you came out, you know, like you said that you were lesbian. You also came out that you were dealing with alcoholism all at the same time. And then you had this camera that is like following your every move. What is that like? Many of us can't even understand. I mean, we're watching you and we're intrigued, but what was that like for you? So there's one day that I, I, I just have to tell the story because it was the best and the worst of getting sober on reality TV. Um, I was at a party at Shannon's house. I was 30 days sober. They were tequila tasting. I had tried to leave that party. And my boss at the time was like, if you leave, you're fired. You have to get back in there. I was having a breakdown from the moment I walked into that party. I was already crying because this was my first time uh, at a party sober and I wasn't ready. So then I went back in. What you didn't see was me hiding next to the trash cans, crouched down like an animal because I didn't want to be filmed, mm. trying to escape over Shannon's uh, back wall, trying to get away from the cameras. I mean, I really wanted to not be there and I couldn't get out. And then I finally like, went through the party. I tried to go home. I tried to get the camera crews out of my house. Um, I signed a contract that they don't have to leave. That was the worst of it. That was the worst. Mm. Um, I went on my phone to look up AA meetings. What I really was doing was going to go drink again. I was like, fuck mm. this. Fuck everyone. I'm not doing this sober. Fuck everyone. Uh, I was going to go have a drink. But on camera, I'm like, oh, look, I'm going to an AA meeting. I'll, wow. You can't follow me there. What ended up happening was there was two things that happened to me that day. One was um, the producer that was filming put the camera down. And he said... I, I know what you're doing, but what, we can't stop you from doing it. But whatever you do, you're going to have to do in front of me and Mary and Pablo. And that was the crew. And I really loved the crew. You know, we have a really close bond with them. He's like, so whatever you're going to do, you can do it. But we're not leaving. And you're going to have to do it in front of us. Mm. So that was my first moment of, okay, I can't drink in front of these people. I can't do that to them. I love them too much. That's when I decided to go to the AA meeting. A different producer at the time jumped in the car with me. And I'm like, you can't do this. Like, this is AA. This is, you know, 
everyone knows you can't film there. He's like, oh, I'm not filming. I'm just going to fill the car ride to and from. Okay. So here goes my plan of drinking at the bar. I'm like, well, get out. Now I'm actually going to a meeting. Crap. That's the last place I wanted to go. I go to this meeting. Sean can't find parking. He was driving. And so my producer at the time is like, do you want me to go in with you? I'm like, yes, please. Because I'm nervous. I am nervous. I'm shaking. This would have been my rock bottom. I'm emotionally Anyone that's gotten sober, you know what my emotional state was like. I was like, in tw- I was not okay. Mm-hmm. I go into the meeting. We're going around. My name is Bronwyn. I'm an alcoholic. And then the person that had come with me that day, that my producer was, my name is so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. Whoa. Oh, you're not an asshole. You're saving my life. And later on, he said, I knew exactly what you were doing. He's like, I'm nine years sober. I knew exactly what you're doing. So... I get chills. That story gives me chills because that person, I call my Eskimo, that person was in my life for a reason, got me to my first AA meeting, got me to say I'm an alcoholic and got me to surrender. That was the day that I, I surrendered over to um, a higher power. I am not a religious person. And so for me, my higher power is other alcoholics. That's where I get my strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I have to stop you there with that story because that is so powerful. You literally have a producer. You have no clue. And that's what I think no. a lot of people don't realize. So many people are in recovery. They're your friends. They're your neighbors. They're people who are all around you. And you had no clue. Goes to this meeting with you. Do you feel if you had not had that moment on the show that you would still be sober today? Do you feel like that was a life-changing moment? No. If I had had not had, oh, I get chills again. Um, uh, if I had not had that, I would have drank that day. Mm. I would have come up with a reason while I wasn't an alcoholic. Because I have, I have been coming up for reasons why I'm not an alcoholic my whole life. Um, I drank because I was stressed. I drank because women are mean to me. I drank because whatever. I can come up with, and it's Tuesday. <laughs> you know, like I can come up with any reason. Um that person saved my life. I do believe in fate. I do believe that the universe gives us signs. And um, I know that everything that happened that day saved my life. Because if I had gone into the pandemic, because keep in mind, this is, this was February, no, 30 days from January. So this is March 2nd. This must have been around March 2nd. We went into lockdown March 14th. Mm. So think that that's 12 days before a lockdown. If I had gone into lockdown drinking, I would have died. I wouldn't be here right now sitting with you. I would have drank myself to death. And, you know, Bronwyn, I think that's so powerful when you think about community and recovery and having other people. I know you said for you, tapping into other people who've been on this journey has been so instrumental. And I know even just in you having this platform that people have been reaching out to you since you shared your story. What has that been like? Tell me the response that you've gotten from the community at large if they've seen you be so vulnerable, you know, on the show. Um, I mean, it has been beyond my wildest expectations. I knew that telling the story by saying, my name is Bronwyn, I'm an alcoholic. I knew that that was going to hit home for some people. I didn't know how many. I didn't know. I didn't know how many people got sober because of me until they would write in. Um, I have had the opportunity to meet some of these people in real life. And they're like, you saved my life. Wow. That is like, 
oh, well, I mean, um, that's, that's a lot. And I will say thank you to all of those people that have reached out. I get probably a thousand DMs a day still from people in recovery. Um, in the beginning, I tried to reply to them all. But I quickly learned that on an airplane, I had to put my own mask on first. You know, here I am three months sober. Um, I'm in a pandemic. I didn't have a sponsor myself. And people were asking me for help. I'm like, I don't know. I don't I don't know what to do. Just don't drink. Like, I know. Let's just not drink today. Like, that's the one thing I know. Um, because finding meeting, meetings in a pandemic, it, it I got there uh, with the Zooms and stuff. But it, it took me a minute. Um, and I had some help with that from other people in the in the Bravo world that I'm grateful today for so much. But like, I had to take a break from that at a certain point too. Like, hey, I, I love and appreciate you guys, but I got to heal myself. Like I'm not, I'm still, you know, 60 days sober myself. Like I don't, I don't, I'm, um, but I will say this to everyone there. There has been so many times where I've been close to drinking in the past two years. And it was that thing of someone out there got sober because of me. If I drink, they might too. I'm not going to let that person down. That can't, it hasn't kept me sober. What keeps me sober is working a program, taking ownership. That's what keeps me sober. But there have been moments where that, that was the one thing that kept me from picking up a drink that day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you everyone who sends me those DMs. Like from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, I am, I, I think community is important, whether it's AA or whatever. I just want to say you do you, I, I, whatever works for you, but you guys have been my community, whether you know it or not. So I am so grateful to all of you. Well, I've been just looking at the comments, you know, Bronwyn, people are saying you are my hero. Thank you for sharing my, thank you for sharing your story. You're inspiring me. So we know, and I think that's so powerful that your story is making a difference. And I want to go back to something you said that really hit me when you're talking about going to that first AA meeting, that there was fear there. And I think a lot of people who are thinking right now, maybe I have a problem, maybe I'm struggling, but there is a fear. What was the fear of stepping into that first meeting? I mean, one, it was like, oh, well, I'm better than this. Like my idea of an alcoholic was like, oh, well, I'm not that, you know, like it was my ego. 100%. It was my ego that kept me from walking in that door, that I was somehow different, that I was better than, that I was special, like whatever. Now, now I know that everyone that walks in that door feels that way. I am, mm. I am a garden variety drunk. Like I am, when they wrote the big book, I read it and I'm like, huh, that's like, they wrote a book about me. I am, a, I am a drunk. Um, but I didn't know that at the time I thought that I was different. And I remember thinking, oh, people are going to recognize me. Like, who the F cares if they did or not? Everyone's in there for the same reason. And honestly, I don't think anyone did. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I knew more people from my Orange Theory class than actually watched the show. So um, I I remember walking in there and I did know someone, like I said, from Orange Theory, like, and I would never have thought of her as an alcoholic. Mm. Obviously, now I understand that alcoholism, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, uh, Park Avenue, Park Bench, it doesn't discriminate. But at the time, I remember seeing that one familiar face of this woman that I thought, oh, she's got her life together and she's here. Maybe I do belong here. And by the time I left that meeting, it's an hour long, 
I knew I had earned my seat there. I belonged mm. there. There was nowhere else in my entire life. There's nowhere else that I have ever felt like I belonged more. <laughs> that is huge, Bronwyn. Yeah. That yeah. is so huge that for the first time you felt like you belonged, that you had this fear. But once you got there, being around other people and then going through the book and going, oh, my goodness, this is me. Why do you think it's so hard for so many people to admit or to even realize that they're struggling? I mean, when you look back at yourself on TV, I'm sure I don't know if you've watched past episodes. Do you have moments where you're like, it was clear? Or do you think you're just putting blinders on or you don't want to believe it? I think it's twofold. One, no one that saw my behavior my first year I was on the show, season five, uh, 14, I was obvious I had a drinking problem. I think for me, it's twofold. One, if you walk into that room, it's admitting that you have a problem. And if you have a problem, you have to fix it. So like, if I go to an AA meeting, I have to stop drinking. That's the one thing an alcoholic doesn't want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but wait, I, I, I'll do anything, but I won't stop drinking. You know what I mean? Like that was sort of my mindset. So I think a lot of people, when they think, if you're thinking, do I have a problem? You probably do. You know, I know a lot of people that don't have problems and they don't think that. So if you think that maybe your drinking is causing your life, some problems in your life, then you probably do have a problem. That doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. Those are two different things. Problem drinking, alcoholic, two different things. But if you think you have a problem, you probably do. So I think the other part of it, and especially with women, we don't like to ask for help. Mm. How often do you ask for help in your like normal life? I'm working on it. <laughs> right? I, How yes, often do I you agree. offer help though? I bet you offer help all, all the, the time. time. All the time. And I think that's a big deal to be able to say, hey, I need help. And I love it because you're saying, you know, in the beginning when we start talking, you're like, I'm living my best life now, and I think that's huge. But one of the other things that I think is really interesting about your story, Bronwyn, is when you came out and said, hey, I admit that I have a problem, you had to prove it. Like some people, even some <laughs> castmates and stuff said, you're faking this. So most people, when they come out, people are like, oh, they're applauding them. You're admitting you're having a problem. You're going to get help. But for you, you had a double whammy because not everyone believed you. So I know. how did you overcome that? in addition to, you know, starting this huge major life journey. It was a, it was a lot. Like <laughs> I was, and I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting that um, because everyone the year before had talked to me about my drinking, you know, um, I'd actually been with Kelly at my rock bottom in Miami. It was her uh, then fiance's birthday party where she was like, girl, you were out of control. So it didn't dawn on me that anyone would think like, okay, that's funny. Someone's like, I could have told you had a problem. I mean, like, it didn't dawn on me that I was going to have to prove that I was an alcoholic or that I would have people that I was working with trying to like, oh, you were with Bronwyn. Was she drinking? Was she did? I was like, and I actually said, look, guys, if I drink, it's not that I'm faking it. It's called a relapse, you know, and I'll start day counting again. But like, back off. I This is my third time trying to get sober. This isn't something I'm faking. This is something I've been hiding from you guys. And alcoholics do a really good job of hiding it when they need to. Like, let's be honest. If you know anyone in your life that's come out, you're like, wow, I didn't know. Yeah, it's a full-time job. And most of us can hide it till the end. So that I wasn't expecting. Um, I kind of, you know, and then, and then when I 
I was being brutally honest on the show and I was expecting the viewing audience to embrace that honesty like the rooms of AA. There's a quote, and I actually wrote it down because it's one of my favorite quotes. It says, those events that once made me feel ashamed and disgraced now allow me to share with others how to become a useful member of the human race. Mm. I love that. I love that quote. So I went into the show the same way I would go into meetings after that. And I was like, I'm going to put it all out there. Good, bad, ugly. I'm putting it all out there. I wasn't anticipating the backlash to some of the ugly parts of my truth. Cause there's a lot of ugly when you get sober that you uncover that you own up to. It's part of the, you know, part of getting healthy. And, um, I was not ready for that backlash either. I thought it would be like warm and embracing and welcoming like it was in the AA rooms. I was so wrong. Um, yes, I'll repeat that quote again. Yeah. Somebody was saying that quote. They wanted to hear it again. Those events that once made me feel ashamed and disgraced now allow me to share with others how to become a useful member of the human race. Mm. And, I, and I think that's why doing interviews like this is so important. Saying you're an alcoholic is so important. Um, I think this is how we break the stigma. Mm -hmm. I think this is how we help others. It's how we help ourselves. It's how we heal as humanity, as a culture. This is how we get better. Yeah, we by share, talking about it. You know, we share the ugly parts, not just the pretty ones. You know, we have to mm -hmm. use Instagram for more than family photos in front of a Christmas tree. We have to use our platforms just like you're doing today. This is how we heal. Um, and someone said, have I ever been depressed? Yes, I've been suicidally depressed a few times. Um, and I did have to go get help once. Was this, when you're talking about this, has this been during your journey, during your sobriety journey in the last two years, or was this prior to that? that this you... was prior. This was okay. the first time I got sober. That was the first time I got sober. Now, since, since getting sober this time, I have been on the floor. So, I mean, I have been depressed. Um, when I got fired, I was very depressed. This is the first job I've ever had. And it was really hard for me to work through it. But you know what? I didn't drink. Um, you know, my marriage, are you meaning when you're saying fire, are you talking about on the show? The show. The show? Yeah, this is my first job, mm -hmm. you know? So that hurt me at my core. Um, that feeling of, and I know that a lot of people don't understand this, but I'm sure a lot more do when you get fired from a job. Why don't they like me? Why aren't I good enough? You know, like mm -hmm. I took that on cause that's, that's what I do. But I was very lucky that I had a program that I could turn it over to a higher power that I let the universe work through work through me and I got through it pretty damn quick. I used the same principles, the 12, the same 12 steps that I used to not drink to get over losing my job because it doesn't just work for not drinking. It works for every aspect of your life. <laughs> now, was so. that a time where you were vulnerable? I know you said you turned to the 12 steps, your higher power. And, you know, as you mentioned, other people who are in recovery, did you find when you found out that, you know, you were coming back, that that was a vulnerable time? Did you really have to dig in and, and to really work your program? Absolutely. Um, and I've said this before, once again, I got a lot of backlash for it, but this is my truth. There's a fame that comes um, with being on a show like this. And to me, fame is very similar to drugs. It's that same high. Mm. So when, for me, that same high that I get from being on a television show, 
I mourned that loss just like you would getting rid of alcohol or drugs. It's a very, very similar hit or whatever. So I definitely had to 12 step my, myself through that withdrawal process. Cause that's exactly what it was. It was a withdrawal process. So, um, it worked, it worked it, and it works for everything that I've needed it to. Um, would you do anything differently on the show? Like looking back now, would you have still been as open and transparent? Would you, would you change, have changed anything? Absolutely not. If you had asked me that a year ago, I would have had a very different answer. I would have said, I wouldn't have shared X, Y, or Z. I, you know, I wouldn't have opened up about this. I definitely a year ago would have had a different answer. Cause that's when I sat on that stage with those women for the reunion and was just like, <laughs> um, that being said, now a year later, I am so grateful of where I am. And that is the power of handing things over to a higher power. You have to believe that there is a force bigger than yourself and that you can't control it. I didn't see it at the time, but I regret nothing now because mm. it has all led me to this moment. And I had to go through that. I had to be that low to know what it feels like to be okay. Like I had to go through that. Um, I don't learn lessons the easy way. I was not blessed with that trait. I have to learn lessons the hard way. And I did, but like, oh my God, where I am right now, this is, is so, it, like, it's so good. And I, and like, I, if you're considering getting sober, if you're sober curious and you're like, I don't know, I don't, I, I can't, I don't even know if there's like a word in the English language mm -hmm. for this. It's that good. It is that good. What about it do you, is it feeling good? Is it that you have clarity of mind? Is it that you finally feel like yourself? What is it that you think makes it feel so good? I think there's a clarity of mind, but with that, and let me see if I can try to explain this. There is like an inner knowing in all of us. There is an inner connection to the universe or God, if you want to call it that. There's, there's something greater than us. When you get sober, you start to tune into it. And, mm. and it's almost like I made a list six months ago, seven months ago. What do I want in life? Holy crap. It all came true. Wait, what? And so <laughs> I used to think that I had my dream job. I thought being a real housewife, that was my dream job. Now that I'm sober, I realized my dreams weren't big enough. I, mm. So what is my your dream? dream? I have to ask my, that because if your dream, my dreams have gotten so much bigger. Some of them I can't talk about right now because I, I can't yet, but you'll see like, you know, um, I wanted to write a book. That was like a huge dream of mine. My, I am, you know, I'm working with an amazing literary agent. I wanted to start my own brand. Well, gosh, golly, that's happening. Um, I wanted to be able to go around and talk about sobriety and LGBTQ these opportunities are popping up for me. Um, I want to have a platform to share my story and to share my family's story. And, oh, that's happening too. So there's just these things. I have one last dream. And I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there because this has been a dream of mine forever. You know, I started amplifying vo Amplified Voices during the pandemic where I do what you do and I interview other people. Um, and so I'm like, okay. I just, I just got all that. Everything I asked for six months ago on my wish list came true. 
you know what? I want to be behind the scenes. I want to like produce my own shows. I want to tell other people's stories because I have learned through my own story and through Amplified Voices that sharing stories of other people is how we all connect. That's yes. the magic. So that is powerful. the so are magic you right there. With, if I'm hearing this correctly, that you see yourself doing TV again. I know, oh. you know, you're doing other stuff, but do, will we see you on TV again and in a greater role in dealing with, you know, one, you said the LGBTQ plus community and your sobriety. Is that where we see you headed next? I know you can't give us all the details. Yes, but. Absolutely. You know, it is important for me to share this story. And I think there was just... It ended so quickly um, on the show that people were still like, what is going on? So I'm very grateful that I will have a chance to share more. Well, I do. I know I said I was only going to keep you 30 minutes, but you you've given me so much and given us so much tonight. I just have a few more questions for you that I really wanted to touch on with our audience. If you have a few more minutes for us. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, you know, right now is a difficult time. We took holidays and sobriety. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn my light on because the sun's okay. going down. I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm sitting in a dark room. Hold on okay. one sec. <laughs> well, as you guys have been yeah. listening, I hope um, that you've been enjoying the conversation with Bronwyn. She's been so transparent and just gave us so many things to think about. And Bronwyn, one of the things I had to touch on with you before we let you go this evening is a lot of people, the holidays, first holiday in sobriety, can be really, really challenging, especially now we're at a place where we're opening up the world again, there's parties. How do you navigate that? What do you say to people who are uh, you know, on that path right now? I think the most important thing is to be true to yourself. What is your comfort zone? If you don't feel comfortable going to a party and not drinking, then don't go to the party. Um, just, I mean, it's a party. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to really miss out. You have to take care of yourself first. So if you're not comfortable being around people drinking, don't go to the party. Personally, I'm okay with that. Um, I was talking to you earlier. My triggers don't come in the loud party moments. My triggers are quiet. They're when I'm alone. That's when I get triggered. So for me, going to parties is very easy to not drink. Um, but if, but that's not the case. Every alcoholic is different. Every person that wants to be sober, we are all very different. So don't judge anyone else like, oh, well, Bronwyn could go to parties. Why is it hard for me? It's hard for me to sit at home alone. That's my mm. trigger, you know? So and that's a good message for families tonight. Because yes. if you have a loved one who's in recovery, sometimes you think, well, them being around other people who are drinking could be a trigger. But there are some people, like you're saying, like yourself, it's that alone time. So check on them. Yes. Make yes. sure they're okay. So that would be my thing is like, what is, what is really the holidays mean to you? For me, my holidays this year, I'm not doing parties. I'm spending with my kids. I'm decorating the tree. I'm going to go see some couple Christmas shows. Like you can recreate what the holidays mean to you on New Year's Eve. I'm going to be with my girlfriend at home. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going out. I'm going to be with my kids. I'm doing a family friendly holiday season. And that's what I want. That's what's healthy for me. So if you're getting sober, recreate your events, recreate what New Year's is, recreate this holiday season. I love that. And the final thing I want to leave people with tonight, and you talked about this on the show, and I've seen other interviews where you've talked about this, but what can loved ones do if they suspect 
that their loved one is struggling with alcoholism. I know um, you've talked candidly about Sean and that sometimes you felt like he was an enabler and a lot of families are doing that and don't even know it. So I really wanted to touch on that family role and what your advice would just be from your experience. My experience or my advice would be go to an Al-Anon meeting. Honestly, you're going to get a lot better advice. I'm an alcoholic, so it's hard for me to give someone who's supporting one the right advice. I know for me, I was very manipulative. Um, and I could you I could I could get what I wanted out of Sean. Alcoholics are very manipulative. It's just our nature. So that's not your fault. When you think you're loving them, you might just be doing the opposite. And I know it doesn't come from a bad place. I know you love your family, you love your, you know, your spouse or your child. You want to do what's best for them. But sometimes when you love someone that much, it's hard to know. So my best piece of advice would be go to a room filled with people who have been through it. Find your community. Go to an Al-Anon meeting. I love that. Such great advice tonight. Thank you, Bronwyn. You've been so amazing to share your journey. We wish you all the best. And if there's one word that's going to describe your 2022, you have a word that you're thinking about for 2022 that you would leave with us. Oh, 2022 is going to be phenomenal. Love it. Phenomenal. <laughs> That's your word, girl. Phenomenal. That's my word. That is your word. We're going to hold you to it. Congratulations <laughs> on almost two years of sobriety. Keep on being an inspiration to so many people. And thank you all for joining us tonight for this episode of Addiction Talk. Thank you, Bronwyn. Have a good thank evening. Thank you. Bye, guys.